0: Hello, and welcome to Tech Latest by Nikkei Asia, where we bring you the freshest updates from the technology sector in Asia. Every episode, one of our reporters from the region will be filling us in on the tech news on their radar. From semiconductors in China, to space travel in Japan, to startups in Indonesia. From Nikkei Asia's Tokyo headquarters, I'm Alice French. In this episode, my colleague Jaden Agamo is speaking with Mitsuru Obe, our chief business news correspondent in Tokyo, about Japan's recent successful relaunch of its H3 rocket, which failed in its maiden flight last March. February the 17th saw the spacecraft lift off without a hitch second time around. So what does this mean for Japan's position in the global space race and its manufacturing industry as a whole? <laughs>
1: Hi, Mick. Great to have you on the podcast this week.
2: Hi, Jada. Thanks for having me here.
1: So you've been in Tanegashima this past week, which, for those who are not familiar, is a tiny island about a thousand kilometers southwest of Tokyo. The island plays a key role in Japan's space industry, right? Can you tell us a little bit about its significance?
2: Yes, absolutely. I was there in the past week. It's close to Okinawa, where many American troops are based. Japan chose Kanegashima as a launch site in the 1960s, because they wanted a launch site in the south. Many of the satellites fly over the equator for broadcasting, satellite communications, and weather observation. So the closer to the equator, the easier to launch. Japan might have chosen Okinawa today, but at the time, Okinawa was under US occupation. So that option wasn't open to Japan. Important to remember that Tanegashima was chosen for its location, just for the purpose of location. For a long time, Japan's launch activity was sporadic and infrequent, two or three times a year, five times at most, but not much more. So rocket engineers visited the island when there is a launch and returned when it is over. So the space industry really didn't grow on the island. It was sort of a part-time business for the island. The mainstay business for the island is tourism and agriculture. Ambitious young people have left the island for jobs in Tokyo and Osaka, and then tourism took a big hit during COVID. But all these are about to change as launch activity is expected to become more frequent and attracting more tourists to see the launch, see launches. <laughs>
1: There have been major accomplishments by countries like India and China in terms of lunar missions. Uh, It seems like competition is especially intense in Asia, but how has Japan fared and what sort of track record does it have? Have there been any major transformations in Japan's space industry itself?
2: Yes, Uh, that's a very important question. And there is competition at the government-to-government level, but also at the commercial level. At a commercial level, SpaceX leased. SpaceX alone launched 96 rockets last year. Also, other uh, countries are not far behind. There are a number of Chinese rocket startups that are trying to develop reusable rockets. Over the past weekend, India said it plans to launch about 30 rockets the next 15 months. So there's a a technological competition going on between the U.S. and China but also within Asia. China is trying to outshine the U.S. and trying to do something that the U.S. hasn't done. A mission to the lunar far side in 2019 is an example. China is trying another mission to the far side, this time for a sample return. Japan was a leader a long time ago. It was the fourth country to put the satellite in orbit in 1970. It was also the, the third country to put the satellite into lunar orbit in 1990. Since then, however, space has become less of a priority for Japan. There are many other issues the country has to deal with, such as its aging population, and growing number of elderly, uh, rising healthcare expenditure. Space was considered as non-essential, But that's changing in the last couple of years. The country's economy is regaining dynamism and starting to invest more in their own country instead of just abroad. Japan also wants to remain a leader in this field. There is a clear desire for that. They have chosen space as an area they believe they could shine. I think that's a fundamental driver behind this uh, rocket program.
1: I understand Japan's H-3 rocket had a launch on Saturday, uh, which was a success. A lot was riding on Saturday's launch, not just Japan's position in the space race, but the reputation of the whole manufacturing model that produced the H-3 rocket, right? Japan's aerospace industry operates quite differently from, as you say, SpaceX's method. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, Jada.
2: One interesting aspect about the Japan space industry, or any any industry in Japan, is its supply chain. Large corporations, large companies design a product, then ask small suppliers to uh, supply components for them. Then the, the large companies, or OEMs, assemble them into a final product. In the case of H3, that's Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. That's the OEM. So it purchases almost all the components from suppliers. And many of them are small companies. Many of them are auto suppliers. And together, they form a supply chain. You can compare this to other companies like Apple's iPhone. Apple has its supply chain in Taiwan and China. When you look at the the auto industry, Toyota, for instance, has a supply chain in Japan. Mitsubishi Heavy, in the case of H3, uses the same supply chain that Toyota uses. These small companies play a crucial role in cost reduction. Space-related components used to be purchased from abroad, from countries like the U.S. or France. But they tend to be expensive.
1: That's a great comparison with Apple. And the hub for this manufacturing network is based far north of the Tanegashima Island in the central prefecture of Aichi. How has Aichi become so crucial to Japan's space exploration efforts? It's more famous for cars, as you said.
2: Aichi is in central Japan, and it's home to Toyota Motor. It is located between Japan's two biggest commercial centers, Tokyo and Osaka. So, Aichi Prefecture and Nagoya, its capital, uh, sit in between these two commercial centers. The region remains surprisingly rural. There are many rice paddies and wheat fields. It has plenty of space for Toyota to build new factories in, which is part of the reason why this region became a center of automaking in Japan. Um, Historically, the Aichi region is also a center of lumber trading and wood processing because it is close to Japan's mountainous areas. But this has given rise to the machinery industry and tools for cutting and processing wood. In the 19th century, Aichi has become a major center of textile production and it remains so today. Uh, today itself is an offshoot of textile machinery maker. And Japan's aerospace industry has built on that base. You cannot manufacture anything without machine tools.
1: Going back to the H3 rocket, what kind of impact do you think Saturday's uh, success will have on Japan's manufacturers? Has their reputation recovered from last year's failed launch? And will this help to restore faith in Japan's traditional manufacturing model?
2: The launch was successful. It was a huge relief to everyone involved because the rocket program was already in delay and there was a launch failure last year. The first rocket suffered an electronics glitch during the flight and wasn't able to start the engine for the second stage. The mission had to be aborted and resulted in a loss of very expensive payload that happened last year. And Japan has been operating rockets for decades, but this is the first one. This is the first rocket that is truly designed for commercial markets. It is low cost. Easy to assemble, durable, less prone to glitches. In the future, we never know how successful the H3 will be in the international market. SpaceX, of course, has Falcon 9. But one thing is certain, this will attract attention to manufacturing in Japan. This will revive interest in manufacturing among young people. Rocket launch is a very dramatic visual it leaves a big impression on people. I'm sure this will raise interesting manufacturing in Japan, which is key to the nation's economy.
1: Thank you for coming on, Mit, and I'm excited to see you cover the next milestone in Japan's space industry.
2: Thanks so much, Jada, for having me again.
0: That's all for this episode. You can read more of Mitsuru's reporting, along with a host of other stories about Asia's tech industry, on Nikkei Asia's website, asia.nikkei.com. And if you like what you hear, why not subscribe to our weekly Tech Asia newsletter, which will be delivered to your inbox every Thursday. There's a link to sign up in the show notes. And whilst we still have you, if you're enjoying Tech Latest and would like to support us, please do give us a follow on whichever podcast platform you use. We also really appreciate any reviews you can leave, as these help new listeners to find our episodes. Our next installment will be released on Tuesday, February the 27th. Check back in then for more updates on the tech trends that matter.